This is a Woodside Church podcast. Thank you. What a big round of applause. I wouldn't have minded more wolf whistles, but that's no problem at all. <laughs> what a fantastic service we've already had. It was absolutely brilliant. I thought the hardest thing I'd have to do this morning would be preach, but for my dyslexic mind, it was trying to get the syllables out of that African song. I think it's going to be stuck in my head all day. It was fantastic. Um, yeah, as Martin said, this series has been absolutely brilliant, and I'm sure you've all loved it um, so far. Um, But for me, it's been a slightly different experience because as each preacher has come up and been so fantastic and tabs last week set the bar so high, it is now my turn to preach to you. I'd hope the bar would be a little bit lower and I could just step over it. I think it's about here. I'm about to hit my head and fall over. Right. So back in May, when I was asked to do this preach, Tim sat me down and walked me through what the series would be all about. He said, it's called One-Liners from Colossians, and each verse in Colossians is like its own separate talk. It's a different topic. And he went through a list of some of the topics, and he said there's ones on thankfulness and um, forgiveness and prayer. And as he said prayer, this little thought popped into my mind. I really don't want to do the one on prayer. Well, you can guess what happened. It started to, the day grew closer and closer, and I had a looming feeling in my gut, and I just knew it was inevitable. And then Tim handed me the sheet of paper with all the preacher's names on it, and there was written my name. And underneath my name was written, Colossians 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. This is the verse. (laughs) I knew it. As soon as I had that thought, of course, of course God was going to give me prayer. I knew that would happen. And... The reason why God wants me to speak to you about prayer and the reason why I didn't want to speak to you about prayer was because I have a nasty little secret. I don't really like prayer that much. I love worship. I, sing, I can sing songs to God all day. I, I, I'm happy to read my Bible. I love it. I pop my headphones on while I have a morning coffee. I'm even happy to pray when I need to pray for somebody or God prompts me to pray here on a Sunday morning. But a personal prayer, I find it really difficult. And I'm sure that's the experience for, for quite a lot of us here. In fact, I know it is. There are some closet people here that as I've been talking about what I'm going to preach about, they said, I, I also find personal prayer really difficult. Um, so the second that this landed in front of me, I just, they didn't force me to do this. I was allowed to change. But I knew that God was speaking to me, and I knew that he wanted me to go on a journey with prayer to tackle this and, and to get over my issues with it and, and to share with you what God is teaching me and what, what God has been speaking to me about. So that's what I'm doing. Over the last uh, six weeks or so, I've been devoting myself to prayer like this verse says. But before I could do anything, I really had to tackle what was one of my biggest issues with it. Um, The first thing is, I'm sure it's a feeling that a lot of us have, is that when you pray, sometimes you don't necessarily feel like anything much is happening, or maybe you don't hear anything much back. And the biggest question for me was, do my prayers do anything? Surely, if God wants to do something, he's going to do it anyway. 
No matter what we pray, do our prayers just go up and then come back unanswered? Who knows? But also, doesn't the Bible say that God is unchanging? Can we even change his mind? Psalm 33, verse 11 says, But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. So is it even possible to change the mind of God? If he has predetermined all things, what are our prayers even doing? Are they changing anything at all? You'd have to dig deep into the Bible to actually find answers to prayer in the Bible. The Bible is littered with them. There are 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible, which is a lot. It's massive. That is more than one in three chapters of the Bible contain an answer to prayer. That's massive. It's huge. I was, I was shocked at that. It feels like God, throughout the Bible, is just handing out prayers like they're candy. Like, you get a prayer, you get an answer. But it's amazing. God really does answer prayer. But does God change his mind? Did, did God just want to answer those prayers anyway? Or does he ever change his mind? <clears throat> um, I came across this story in Exodus. Um, the Israelites, um, God's people... <coughs> Um, had just been saved from the Egyptians. Um, They had been slaves there for 200 years. And it's the story that we all know. It's the blockbuster story with the parting of the Red Seas and the plagues. And and, and it's it's really the crowning achievement of God with his Israelites. Sorry, it's not the crowning achievement. Jesus is the crowning achievement. (laughs) But it's a huge story. And actually, the Jews... Jewish people still celebrate it today with their Passover. It's a massive, massive event. But it really hadn't been that long after this, and the Israelites had already started turning their back on God, making idols, and saying, it's these idols that saved us and pulled us out of Egypt. And as you would expect, God is pretty angry about that. So here's here's where we get to in the story. Exodus 32, verse 7 to 14. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. You can tell God is already angry. Uh, If he's saying, they're your people, Moses, not your people, your people are sinning. God is angry already. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf. They have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so that my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them, and I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. I don't think that this is an idle threat. If you know the God of the Old Testament, and Moses did, this would not be the first time that he's wiped out a whole place. We've already had the flood at this point, and Sodom and Gomorrah is just a crater in the ground with a sign that says, Lot was here. He's done this before. So what did Moses do? Moses tried to pacify the Lord. Oh Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people who you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? 
Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster that you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster and he threatened to bring on his people. That is actually what it says in the Bible, that the Lord changed his mind. Some other verses say he relented. So there we have it, a story about God. He changed his mind. He changed his mind. Moses prayed and he changed his mind. What would have happened if Moses didn't pray? We don't know. Would God have wiped out everything and started again with Moses? I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I actually doubt it. I, I doubt it. But then, if God wasn't actually going to wipe them out, and Moses wasn't actually the saviour of the day that rescued the people of Israel, why did God tell Moses that he was going to destroy them? Why did he do that? God told Moses what he was going to do. It wasn't an accident. He wasn't like um, a bond revealing, revealing his plan accidentally so that Moses could save the day with a prayer. It was very deliberate, and there was a reason why he told Moses. It was because, it was because he knew that Moses would pray. He knew that if he told him um, that he was going to destroy the people, that Moses would offer up prayers to the Lord. He wanted to answer that prayer. In fact, in telling him this, it was an invitation He was inviting Moses, partner with me in this. He wanted Moses to pray. That story is now fixed forever. The story is now that the people turned away from God, that God was so angry that he was going to destroy them, that Moses prayed and God relented. That that story is fixed forever. Their, Their lives are forever intertwined. That's the way God wanted it. He invited Moses to be a part of his plan. He didn't need Moses to do it, but he invited him in anyway, and Moses chose to pray and and become part of it. This is what God wants for us. When we pray, we don't know whether or not we're going to change the mind of the Lord, but the thing that we do know is that God wants us to be a part of his plans. His prayers are an invitation for us to partner with him. And it goes both ways. When we pray, we're inviting God back into our lives. Um, I've got some big news (coughs) that some of you may or may not know. But over these last few weeks that I've been praying... My wife has got pregnant. (laughs) I know, exciting. Um, It wasn't like a huge, crazy answer to prayer because we've already got one child, so we knew it was possible. And um, the thing is, it happened really quickly. So it wasn't late nights spent praying, please, God, give us a child. But we did pray, and Charlotte is now pregnant. And last week, we had our 12-week scan, and the baby's healthy. So it's all good news. When we prayed, we invited God to be a part of our story. 
It is now forever written that our story goes, we prayed and Charlotte got pregnant and we prayed and the baby is healthy. We don't know what will happen after this. But we know that God was part of it and actually we are thankful to God because of it. Now, what would have happened if we didn't pray? Would we still be trying to get pregnant? I don't know. We just don't know. But what we do know is that we are thankful to God. He has done a good thing and we are thankful to him. That's been my experience of a lot of the prayer that I've had over these last few weeks. Um, My life hasn't changed dramatically. I've not won the lottery or anything crazy like that. (laughs) But I've seen lots of little things that are answers to prayers that, to be honest, didn't blow my mind, but they just kept happening, and I kept thinking, well, God is answering prayers. And, 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 it, and it grew, this sense of thankfulness within me. William Temple says this. He says, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. <laughs> yeah, isn't that good? <clears throat> and that has definitely been my experience. In fact, my car is broken right now, and God hasn't answered that prayer. <laughs> but it's, it takes about 10 times to start. But do you know what? When Charlotte's trying to start the car, I'll often just put my hand down on the dashboard and say, start in Jesus' name, or Lord, please make this car start. And do you know what? It starts. <laughs> I know. Now, that is a weird coincidence, right? It, it, it's those sorts of coincidences. In fact, we started laughing every time it happens now because it's happening so frequently that uh, we've got a prayer-powered car. <laughs> <laughs> But th- th- this, is what it's, this is what it's like in our Christian lives. When you pray, coincidences happen, and when they don't, they don't. But the bigger thing that has happened in my life is actually not that anything has significantly changed, but that I've changed. Yes. So as I've invited God to partner with me in my life, and I've invited him into all of these things, actually, I have found a new thankfulness yes. in God. Yes. And it's been really exciting. <laughs> that... The thing is, God is good, and he does good things in our lives all the time. My, my life is great. I've got a lovely family, and uh, we've, we're, we're provided for. We've got, you know, we're, we're well looked after. We've got good health. And um, it's hard sometimes to spot those good things in your life, actually. Sometimes they go unnoticed. Like, all good comes from God, but sometimes we just don't notice the good that we have, especially when there are bad things in the way that are really distracting us. Um, But when we pray and we invite God into the little things, thank you for this dinner that you have provided. Thank you for the health of my baby. Thank you for X, this, that, that. What happens is that not necessarily that things actually change, but that we grow a sense of thankfulness and gratefulness to the Lord within us. It cultivates a great relationship with God. And actually... Because of that thankfulness, I just, I'm more joyful about God in my life. My relationship with him is deepened. It's fantastic. James 4 verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And that's what this is about. Prayer is relational. It's about our relationship with God. God is inviting you to partner with him. To, he's asking you to invite him into your life so that you can do life with you, so that you can relate to each other. It is a privilege. Thank you, whoever said that. <clears throat> so, does my prayer do anything? Yes, it does. 
My prayers are being answered. Not every prayer. Do I change God's mind? We don't know. But the thing that mostly change, changes is our hearts. It changes with inside us. But what about unanswered prayer? <clears throat> it, it wasn't that long before I had my first big unanswered prayer. Uh, I've been applying for jobs, and this job came up that I really wanted, and actually I felt like I'd heard God on it. it the timing was perfect, and um, the salary was good. <laughs> um, and I really felt like God had said I could have it. And I was praying for it, and I was asking other people to pray, and I thought, you know, if I cover this in enough prayer, that would be fantastic. And actually, it would have sorted us out really well. I really wanted that job. But I didn't get it. And it really knocked me. Because I felt like I'd brought it to, to God, I had taken it to him, and I thought I'd, I'd heard back that it was going to happen, and it just didn't. And it really hurt, because... I thought, God says, ask, and I'll give it to you. And he calls himself provider. And I thought, God, I asked, and you didn't provide. It it really knocked me back, actually. So what does the Bible say about our unanswered prayers? When the disciples came to Jesus, in Luke, verse 11, 1 to 2, they asked him about prayer. It says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, I don't know why the phrase certain place is so vague. It makes it sound like he was in the toilet or something. (laughs) As he finished praying, not on the toilet. One of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as you taught his disciples, uh, as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you pray. Our Father. He then goes on to do the rest of the Lord's Prayer. But this is the point I really wanted to pick out for you. He starts that Lord's Prayer. This is how you pray. Our Father. There's another verse in um, Luke 11, 11 to 12. It says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, the Bible doesn't pull punches. You though, though you are evil. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> um, know how to give, 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 know how to good, give, give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God sets Himself up as Father, and this is very deliberate. He calls Himself Father in prayer. It's the very first line that Jesus says of the Lord's Prayer, and that is deliberate because. God wants us to know that he is father in our lives because the image of a father is an easy one to understand. My daughter asks for stuff all the time. In fact, I think like 80% of our relationship is her asking me for something. Can we... But do you know, most of the time I actually say no. And it's not because I try to spite her, but it's because I know better. She might ask for chocolate just before dinner and I'm thinking, no, you need to eat your vegetables. And sometimes she'll cry about that and get really upset. Or sometimes she'll want to watch the telly and I'll say, no, you're just bored, let's go to the park instead. And she might be happy about that. She might actually enjoy that. But it is easy to understand when we put God into the context of Father, it's easy to understand why do our prayers go unanswered. God is the Father. 
My, my daughter doesn't have any understanding of sometimes of why I say no. Sometimes I say, it, you know, it's always easier to say yeah, actually. It would be way easier for me to just say, yeah, eat chocolate. But it would hurt her. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be any good for her. But I, I, I know what is best for her. I know better than she does. Now, that's easy in the context of maybe something like a job. Although it hurt, I could see, well, maybe God's got something better for me. Maybe there's something else, some other plan. Maybe that was meant for someone else or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Maybe I would have not made it past the you know, three-month three probation or whatever it was. I don't know why God didn't give me that job. But I can understand that there might be an ulterior motive to that. But what about in the face of great tragedy? God, why did you take my daughter from me? God, why is my partner dead? Why have you left me alone like this? Why have you taken that mother from her family of small children and left them all alone? Tabs last week shared her testimony, and it's amazing, her story, and how she's come out with this, you know, real found thankfulness and everything. But it's, where is God in that story? Why? Why does he do these tragic things? Well, when we look to the Bible, we see a story of impending tragedy. At least from the outside, it looks like a tragedy. What we see is Jesus, an innocent man, faced with the most horrific thing that I think could happen to anybody. He's in so much distress that he's literally sweating blood. Because he knows what's going to happen. He's going to be lashed on the back until his skin is torn from himself. He's going to have nails put in his hand, spat on and despised. You wouldn't wish it upon anybody, even your worst enemy, you wouldn't want to wish it upon them. It's a horrible thing that is about to happen, and it seems like this massive tragedy. And to Jesus it seemed that way. He's praying, Lord, take my cup from me. He doesn't want to do this necessarily, But what we see here is a man who knows he has a father in heaven. This is what Jesus prays, Matthew 26, verse 39. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. How does Jesus pray that prayer in that moment? I don't think I could. I don't think I'd add the, your will be done, not mine, on the end of it. I think I would just say, take this cup of suffering from me, thank you, please. Um, but God knows that even in spite of what this horrific thing is going to be done is, he still knows that God's will is better than his own will. Even in that tragic moment, impending doom, horribleness, God, he's, he knows, if I have to endure this and it's your will, then I know it's good for me. I don't know how, but it is. Because he knew God as his father, he could pray, your will be done. Tim Keller has this quote which says, God will either give us what we ask for or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. (laughs) Isn't that great? We can't know everything that he knows. He's our father. He has a greater understanding than us. But what we have to do is trust in God as our Father. God's plan for our lives is both spectacular 
and perfect. And God, only God can give us those good things. We have to trust in him. So how do we devote ourselves to prayer? In light of all of this, how do we devote ourselves to prayer? 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. You know what, this, this for me is like a, it's like a weight hanging around my neck here. It has been. Pray without ceasing. It's the sort of thing which you wouldn't imagine would actually be in the Bible, actually. It seems like too much pressure. How could you pray without ceasing? Pray nonstop, pray every day. Ooh, no, thank you. But actually, it is in the Bible. And there's another verse. Matthew 6, verse 5 to 6. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, because they stand and pray in the synagogue on the street corners in order that they may be seen by people. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. But whenever you pray, enter into your inner room and shut your door and pray to the Father who is in secret. So am I supposed to go and shut myself into my inner room and then pray without ceasing? Just never leave the room, pray forever? No, these verses aren't in conflict with each other. They're not, they're not contradicting each other. These, these verses are not describing um, an action of how we pray. They're actually describing an attitude. For the, for the people at the time, the inner room would have been understood to mean a room that has no windows. It's the interior room of the house. Um, it's to keep things cool. I guess it would have been used as a larder and stuff like that. But it's the inner room of the house with no windows. So why does God want us to go into the inner room and shut the door? It's because God is asking us to pay attention to him, to shut everything else out to focus in on him because he wants to have a personal relationship with us. He doesn't want other motives to get in the way. He doesn't want distractions to get in the way. He wants a personal relationship with us. And pray without ceasing is the same thing. God wants us to invite us into, his ev- into our every lives, to pray about everything, to be thankful all the time because he wants a personal relationship with us. He doesn't want us to be like the couple at dinner that are both on their phones. He wants us to devote ourselves to him. And actually, the second part of this verse, the flip side is, that this verse is actually saying, if you do not have a personal prayer life, if you do not go away and spend time with God on your own, you are like the hypocrites. And this, for me, was a big orange warning light. It's big. If you don't have a personal prayer life... For me, that was the case, and I'm trying to grow in it. I'm not there. I still find it difficult. But we, we need to have a personal prayer life, because if we're not, we're like the hypocrites. It's like saying, I'd like to get my, to know my wife, but I don't want to have to speak to her ever. <laughs> we can't do that. We need to spend time alone with God to get to know him. I think when, the Bible, when Jesus describes in the Bible the, 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 the people who, the disciples who come to him and say, oh, I've been doing all these things in your name, prophesying and, 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 and casting out demons and all the rest of it, and then God says, oh, but I do not know you. 
I think what he's talking about is, is, is something similar to this. People who will go out there and, and wear God on the outside, but their personal relationship with God is just empty, lacking. God wants to know us. He really wants to know us. Matthew 6, verse 7 to 8 says, When you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is good news. God doesn't care about how we pray. In the Bible, there's it's just endless versions of different types of prayer. I think there's like nine different types of prayer. So prayers of like praise, thankfulness, you know, uh, lamentations, all these sorts of things. There's, there's a whole different ways to pray. But God doesn't care about the action, the physical way in which we pray. What he's after is the relationship. Why don't we pray thinking we'll be heard because I have many words? Because your father, it's relational. My daughter, when I do do the things that I do for her, when I do answer her, you know, her questions, whatever, I don't do it because she's good at arguing. She, she's not. <laughs> I, w- I want this. No, you can't have it. I want it. No, you can't. <laughs> no, I want it. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a convincing argument, is it? <laughs> the reason why I answer her is because she's my daughter. It's a familial relationship. I would do everything for her. And God is the same way for us. It's a relationship. God made it that way. He sent his son to die so that we could be adopted. So it was that way. This is the whole crux of everything that God has ever done. When he was there before time, before the universe was created, he lived in relationship. He doesn't need the relationship in that way, but he wanted it. He wanted the relationship. He created the whole heavens and earth and everything about us, and he sent his son to die so that we could live in prayerful relationship with him. It's huge. It's massive to God. It's a big deal, prayer. But we are relieved from any action that we have to take because it is about relationship. God just looks at our heart. We are supposed to just be spending time with him, and it doesn't matter how we do it. Ollie Hearn has got an interesting technique. He, over his uh, FP year, he's been doing these things, he calls them prayer naps. <laughs> now, when I first heard about his prayer naps, I thought, oh, a prayer nap, that's, that, that, is not a, that is not prayer, you can't call it prayer nap. But then, actually, I, I thought, I, I think I heard God say, do you know what, I'd rather a prayer nap than just a nap. <laughs> right? God wants us to invite him into our lives no matter what way that is. However it is, God wants to invite us in, whether it's just um, giving thanks at the dinner table and uh, whether it's just praying wherever we are, whatever we need for, this is relational and this is what this is all about. The pagans in the Old Testament are religious people. They're religious, they're pious, they do the things that they're supposed to do but they don't know God, so God doesn't hear them. We're not called to be pious and religious, to be doing lots and lots. We're we're told to be intimate with God. It's about relationship. It's about the heart. So if I bring us back to my verse at the beginning, Colossians 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. 
So why do we devote ourselves to prayer? We devote ourselves to prayer because we want a relationship with God. Devoting yourselves to prayer is devoting yourself to being relational with God. We do it with an alert mind because we actually want to carve out time in our life for God. We don't want to just let it happen passively. We want to invite, us, invite him in. We want to carve out space in our life for God. Maybe that means that we need to sacrifice a small thing. For me, I, I listen to podcasts all the time, all the time. I've just got podcasts on. Charlotte gets bored with me quoting facts at her from different podcasts. She's always like, did you hear that on a podcast? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that for me meant, actually, I, I need to make some space, actually. I, one of the things I've done is try to, when I'm going walking places, not put my headphones on every single time. Make a bit of space. I could pray there. Maybe put your phone away on the toilet. You could pray to God. Maybe have a prayer nap like Ollie Hearn. Let's make a bit of space. Be intentional and invite God in, into our lives. And with a thankful heart. When we invite God into our lives, when we ask for things and we see our prayers answered, these little coincidences, it grows a thankful heart in us. A grateful heart. God, you are so good. Thank you for my wife who is pregnant. Thank you for this baby that is healthy. We pray, Lord, bless that. I'm thankful to God for what he's doing in my life. Why don't we just, um, just take a moment to pray and see, give God some space. Where, what could I sacrifice to God right now? What could I give over to him? Why don't we just take a couple of moments of, of just silence. Bow your heads if that helps. Close your eyes if that helps. Let's just speak with God. Oh, Father, we're all here because we love you. That's the reason why we turn up on a Sunday morning. And we pray, Lord God, would you help us to develop a personal relationship with you? We don't want to be like the disciples that said, I've been doing this in your name, and you say, I don't know you. We want to know you. We want to know you intimately. So we pray, Lord, would you help us to investigate our lives and find out where we can carve more space out for you, where we can grow a heart of gratefulness and thankfulness and give it over to you. We thank you, Lord, and we invite us, invite you into our lives. We want to partner with you in your plan and have you partner with us in our lives. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we love you. Amen. You've been listening to the Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.